Nice. See if this will actually work. See, this is what it means. You know, people people have this idea, and there's a debate, particularly among academics. When you say the word white, is white obviously race is not a social construct. You know, the Jews would like to say that, but there's this idea that whiteness and being white has more to do with state of mind than it does your ethnicity, which obviously is horseshit, but at the same time, I'd like to think that there are qualities that can be described as being white, and I don't think that whiteness is either the inability to ha handle spicy foods or dance or, uh... I don't think colonialism and imperialism are necessarily white traits, but I'd like to think that being able to triumph is a white trait. Triumph in what way? Well, we triumphed over technology, so I mean, this is this is going to be the first episode in which we're handling the recording. I'm actually doing it. I'm stepping into the role of a producer. Oh, so you're saying since you figured out how to get this recording, you're whiter than I am? Well, I was already whiter than you. That's, I mean, you're basically not even white. You're a fucking, you're an Anglo with your beady little eyes. You're like, you're like a small marmot. You just, you're like a tree creature that, like, hides nuts and has glistening eyes that peer out through the shadows of the forest. Like, and what would that make you? Well, I'm I'm actually white. I'm a Germanic. I have incredible German and Swedish genes in me. I'm basically like a walking god. You know when uh, the tales of when the settlers first hit American shores and the the native Indians they they didn't know how to actually describe. They thought the the ships approaching were mountains because the, there was no way for them to look at that shape and understand what it was because it's just not something that was part of their primitive culture. That's kind of like what I am when I'm around you. I I don't even know how you could possibly describe me to other people. Wow, I'm I'm about a lust for words right now. Oh, it's it's probably not a good thing. This is a podcast. People pay good money to listen to us talk. They Speaking expect... of that, I, I was trying. I was thinking about moving our podcast to a subscription-based model. I think people should pay for this access, like maybe ten dollars a month or so. You know, I like can imagine if, that. If Meltz can do it, why can't we? Because Meltz is a legitimate wrestling voice who's uh, got like thirty plus years in the industry. <laughs> That's true, but we have, like, banter about, like, Jewish people and Muslims and Pete Dunne and, like, avocados and things like whoa, that. Whoa, 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 I don't, don't fucking bring avocados into this. We talk about avocados frequently. We do, and it's always for me to bury it, and then you guys try and bury me for burying avocados. Well, yeah, because who buries an avocado? I, every time I eat somewhere, I pay extra money to add avocado, whether it's a, to a sandwich, to a burrito. For some reason, they always cost money to add it, and I always do it because I'm white and I have money and I can do stuff like that. You probably worry about your paycheck and won't even do that to save money. So that's that's a falsity. It's a falsehood. A falsehood? For, yeah, for one, avocados to me are beaner food. 
Yeah, that's true. But you are Mexican. That's You're true. I'm I'm a word. Taco I'm, Bell luchador. Yeah, but I'm the Taco Bell Mexican. Like I'm not gonna get avocado when I can get bacon ranch on my food instead. What about all three? Because I do that a lot. You're fucking entering some territory right now. I've been kind of stealing avocados lately, though. That's that's like, a shoot. Do you want to like break that down? Because you told me that the other night, and I didn't really know how to respond. Like the fact that you just brought it up while we were watching New Japan. I don't know if it's stealing though, because the reason I do it is because I feel better about myself that I'm not stealing. Because well, I could just steal, but I choose not to. It's a middle ground. You're still half stealing. You're taking something of greater value than what you're giving back to the company. I know, but in my mind, it, uh, it, it morally, it makes me feel better, and that's why I do it. So what I do is I have an avocado pretty much every day. It's one of my favorite things to eat. So I have a Safeway that's you know about thirty second walk from my front door. So I just go there every day and I get an avocado. And the way I eat this avocado varies day by day. Sometimes I'll put it on like some eggs. Sometimes I'll put it like in a like, chicken burrito. It's different every day, but every day I get one. And the average avocado, you know, it costs me about a dollar to a dollar fifty, somewhere in between there for one avocado every day, and that's a lot. Like that's like forty bucks per month on avocados. That's like that's like a bill. That's like a yeah. bill you would get in the mail, like, ah oh, fuck, you open it up and here's your like thirty nine ninety five bill for avocados. Exactly. On a monthly that, basis. It's like a utility. And I'm just not prepared for that like i don't want to spend that much on avocados so i want to just save a little bit of money each day on avocados so what i do is i go to the self-checkout line every day with an avocado sometimes it's the only thing i buy sometimes i'll go in there buy one avocado and that's it and what i do is when i go through the self-checkout line i i choose russet potato instead of avocado because russet potatoes are a lot cheaper i think russet potatoes are something like uh Thirty well, they're, cents. They're probably the by the pound. They're not like yeah. an individual basis. They are, and avocados are, are. You don't have to weigh avocados. They're per avocado. Russet potatoes are per weight. So what I do is I get an avocado, I put it in a bag, and then when I get to self checkout, I just pick russet potato, and then I weigh my avocado as a russet potato, and then I put it away. And when I do that, my avocado comes out to approximately twenty to thirty five cents every day. And that's something I would normally be paying a dollar to a dollar fifty. So yeah, I'm getting about a dollar off avocado every day. Okay. Now, this is this is something I want to step into a little bit further. When you do this, so your entire transaction comes to like thirty cents, correct? It has before. Okay. Like sometimes I only get an avocado, so yeah, I'll pay with like a debit card, like a twenty-eight cent bill. Okay. I was just I was just about to ask if you were using a debit card. Yeah, I do. Because just so you know that under the Dodd-Frank amendments or uh, the financial reform, yeah. there's something called the Durbin Amendment, and the Durbin Amendment directly affects uh, federally mandated rates for debit cards. Oh, I didn't know about this. Yeah, this is something that's a standard. Every single issuing bank and card issuer must charge the same interchange uh, interchange charges. To a merchant. So when they swipe, obviously with with credit card processing, there is associated charges that the merchant has to pay. You don't yeah. pay anything, but for being able to process electronic payment, the actual merchant 
ends up paying an additional cost. Well, it's federally mandated. It is set at 0.05% and 22 cents per debit transaction. So if you pay 28 cents for that avocado, Safeway is actually only making six cents. So you're so what you're saying is by buying my avocados with a debit card, I'm sticking it to the Jew. You're not really sticking it to the Jew. You're sticking. I mean, I don't know. You're sticking it to Safeway. Oh, I thought. Oh, I'm not sticking it to the banks though. I thought this. No, was bad the mer- for- no, the merchant pays these credit card processing fees. Okay, so it's bad for Safeway, not bad for the bank. Yeah. So ultimately, bad- not only are you stealing in that you are claiming a lesser valued item I and mean, you should be paying a dollar fifty for this avocado and you think you're going to pay 28 cents but in reality because you've chosen to do debit which is more expensive on low ticket items for a merchant you are taking an avocado and you are giving Safeway six cents so Safeway is making less money with me buying the avocado with a debit card than they would if I bought it with cash? Yes, significantly. Got it. So I'll keep using the debit card. So why would you do that? Why? Because I I want them to make less money. So why, why would you intrinsically want a company that provides you a service to make less money? Well, I don't know. I'm going to check right now and see who the CEO of Safeway is. Now, okay, I actually want you to look this up, but ultimately you have to think about some of the other ramifications. Obviously, uh, Jews are overrepresented uh, overrepresented in media ownership, in uh, academia, uh, in bank ownership, quite obviously, and in CEOs. But ultimately, even though a soulless dead, evil, kike, mole monster may control Safeway, ultimately it does employ countless honest, hardworking, often white Americans. And so if you screw the Jew while the Jew holds all the cards and is pulling all the strings, unfortunately you're going to take middle America down with the ship. Yes, but isn't stealing from Safeway kind of the same thing that you hear with like uh, bank robberies that it's like a victimless crime because when you steal money from a bank nobody with money in the bank actually loses money because it's insured yeah I don't think they insure their avocados bro well I mean like so me taking thirty dollars a month from Safeway because if I save a dollar off an avocado and I get one every day that's minus thirty dollars for the month from Safeway. So you think that goes down, that's like trickle-down theory, and it affects like the cashiers and the stalkers? Well, of course. I mean, particularly now that you have just laid out your brilliant scheme in great detail. I mean, do you know how many millions of people are listening to this podcast right now, many of which are impressionable youth that are now going to mimic your actions? And so your deeds will now become blueprint for other miscreants, and it's going to have a cumulative effect. I don't think the... Um... I, th- I think that you, with your careless actions, wanting to get cheaper avocados, you might destroy America. This is exactly that, why Trump was elected. And that I feel bad about, because I just looked up, and the, the chairman of Safeway is Robert G. Miller, and he doesn't sound very Jewy. He sounds pretty American. Like, well, I don't want to... Robert J. Miller... Yeah, but remember, it's a common Jew tactic to change their name as to not be identified. 
true. And he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I can't, like, kind of delve deep into him. Now, at the same time... No homo. Delving I... deep into a man. <laughs> at the same time, I will say that uh, Safeway requires... Uh, Safeway has its own union, and it requires union dues and membership to work there. Yeah. So, obviously, Safeway's probably slightly kiky because unions are yeah. a leftist tool, but... Still, I, just, I want you to actually, I want you to self-scrutinize a little bit. Something so would that it be better? I know as a liberal you have zero self-awareness and that you voted for Bernie Sanders in the primaries. But I, just, I want you to turn that eye upon yourself and realize that, you know, actions have consequences. So would it be better to move this caper to, say, Winco? No, it'd actually be significantly worse. Winco... Um, is actually an amazing small chain of yeah, Western stores. Yeah, because they're owned by the employees, right? Exactly. So you are even more directly fucking the employees. Okay, because I've never done it at Winco. It's only been at Safeway, so... Okay. I'll... You know what? You should do it, if you can. Trader Joe's? No. No, don't fuck TJ's. No, I would never do that. You need to do it Plus, to Target. Out. You need huh? to do it to Target. Oh, okay. Target's yeah, the one Target that's like... They go out of their way to assault traditional American values publicly for no reason. That's true. They have that that like tranny bathroom rule. Plus, they've they've always said that they refuse to allow uh, the Salvation Army to do like the Christmas donations with the bell ringers out front. Really? Yeah. They made that quite public years ago, like ten, fifteen years ago. That. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the worst. Yeah, I I actually unfortunately. I'm usually a pretty principled and scrupulous individual because I'm white and yeah. a man. I'm both. I'm a white male. And uh, normally I should want to boycott Target because Target, you know, just doesn't stand for the values for which I stand. Uh -huh. But unfortunately, Target is such a convenience factor for me. I've always lived within like a few blocks or like less than a mile of a Target, and so I do a lot of my shopping at Target. I bought uh, Tales of Berseria at a Target last night. So when it comes down to Target versus, say, Walmart, who, which would you be more inclined to give your services to, like, with with your principles in mind? Oh, which, which one would I rather give my money to? Yeah, like, who would you rather... Like, who do you feel better about supporting, Walmart? I feel, I, now, I feel better about Walmart, but let me make it clear is I detest Walmart as well. Huh. I think Walmart is, even though it's owned by whites in America, Walmart is ultimately too overreaching, too powerful, too monolithic for a goddamn uh, department store. And I think one of the Waltons came out in support of Trump. I don't recall which one. Yeah, I don't know. They're totally pro-Trump. So, I mean, the people who own it, I support them. The way they actually do business, not great about. They are savvy. They're ultimately just aggressive capitalists, so I can give them that. But also, I don't like, even though I personally uh, support conservative values, like good Midwestern Christian values, the fact that they... Uh, they're very choosy about what they'll carry, that they mostly carry, like... I know they've lessened, but it used to be that they'd only carry, like, the censored versions of explicit yeah. musical albums. I remember that. Yeah, I'm not down with that. 
Well, you've you've kind of made me you've given me some food for thought today. I'm kind of going to reevaluate my my life to be honest because this is a big part of my life. Every day I wake up, I brush my teeth and then I walk to Safeway and I do this with an avocado and well, I can't say with 100% certainty that I'm going to do this today or tomorrow. You've kind of opened my eyes. Well, that's what I'm here for, you know. I know that you uh you're a miscreant and a degenerate, and you kind of wallow through life aimlessly, just spreading your filth and corruption, because basically you're not even white. But I'm glad that, as like a good Christian male, that I can be there for you to kind of be like a guiding light. Uh, his word says that we need to be like the city on the hill, like mm-hmm. an example to all. So I'm glad I can be there for you right there. I know that buying avocados in the morning is like a huge... It's like the cornerstone of your current existence, so... Hey, if I'm not living an upstanding life, really, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I have to be doing that. Being a so. Jew? Yeah, exactly, so... But, you know, uh, I do want to get into the Jewish question, because we have... We've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, recently, I was, at, I was at the Hydra's Lair, which is a local gaming establishment that I enjoy. I like going there to play a little bit of Magic the Gathering. Uh, and I was asked when I mentioned, hey, I, I actually need to take off because I need to go up record an episode of my award-winning podcast. And someone asked me, oh, I didn't know you had a podcast. That's awesome. I enjoy podcasts. What's your podcast about? And I didn't even need to hesitate um, because I feel like our podcast is clearly defined by two main topics. And so I looked her dead in her eyes, the windows to her soul, and I said, yeah, hey, oh, it's primarily focused on wrestling and white nationalism. <laughs> and what was her reaction to this? She laughed jovially, assuming that I was kidding, but I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> We've discussed quite a bit. I think it's evolved over the time. I mean, we slowly I, I like snuck that, in. I like that you gave wrestling kind of the the top billing, though. Like, it would have been different if you said white nationalism and wrestling. Yeah. No, I, I snuck in the white nationalism because you have to sneak in. The red pill is kind of like any kind of animal medicine. You have to sneak it in with a treat. So people, oh, okay. people yeah. download, oh, put them over. It's those three wacky, charismatic guys who talk about my favorite man drama. And so they, they download an episode of this podcast assuming that we're going to cover recent episodes and matches and upcoming events of their favorite children's programming because that's what wrestling is. And it turns out, whoa, they're actually going to learn a little bit about the eternal enemy of the human race, uh, the vile Jew. So what you're saying is we're putting the red pill in, like, the raw, like, ground beef before we make the hamburger patties. Yeah, wrestling is, like, the raw meat, the fact that the Jews control everything and have a explicitly anti-Christian, anti-white agenda, that's the red pill. And that shouldn't be a controversial thing to say. It's not. It really shouldn't. It is. Like like 99% of people are going to look at you kind of weird when you say that. And they're kind of back off. I don't that seems like an objective fact to me. Yeah, but you know what? Frankly, I I'm I've been getting bolder and bolder about being quite open because it's it's really not that hard to start proving it to people if they have 
Now, as Yuri Bezmenov quite eloquently stated, that uh, once you get these communist kikes in power, they're going to uh, infiltrate the media and academia, and we're going to have generations of people here in America that are so demoralized and brainwashed that you can show them articles of legitimate proof, and they still won't believe. But, you know, if you get someone who's a little more open-minded or isn't too... I think the more normie a person is, like the fact that they just, they the kind of person who just doesn't even vote, they don't pay attention to politics, so maybe they, they're not quite as brainwashed by the Jew, like they're, they're not hopping to fucking Israel's aid as though it was their virginal younger sister. I think those people you can reach a little bit more just by showing them the basic proof. And on the show, I'd like to start, because I mean, for lulls and gags and memes and funny ha-has and goofballs, I, I've had my my rants. I've been told that I'm a negative individual and people enjoy <laughs> <laughs> people enjoy my rants. I get hit up all that. I, I get hit up every now and then. People just asking my opinion on a on a controversial topic just because they assume that I'm going to fly off the handle and they can get their kicks while I'm seething. But uh, I kind of want to scale that back. I know people enjoy it when I, you know, at the top of my lungs with hoarseness in my voice advocating just the random culling of Jews in our society. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's time to start stepping up stepping it back a little bit, you know, rather than making it just meme-worthy, maybe actually explaining the stance and showing, you know, the Jew is your mortal enemy. And so I, I think on the episodes, particularly now with this new format, I think episodes that feature you and I prominently, since you and I are pretty, uh, pretty passionate about the Jewish problem, I think I'd like to actually educate people in kind of a methodical manner, like, hey, give you guys the way I made you examine your avocado thievery Let's make people examine the Jewish question. You're basically your goal is to totally discount the philosophy of critical theory on tape right now. Yeah, and well, honestly, I might even use critical theory against itself. Wow! Because you gotta how, realize that's how that's Jewing the Jew. That's really the genius of the Jew in the last two centuries. Even though that ever since like the invention of the Talmud and basically the corruption of the Jewish people while in Babylonian uh, – uh, under Babylonian control and they allowed that horrible Mesopotamian paganism to infiltrate and they've now had the last like 3,000 years trying to just – destroy everything good and wonderful in the world. It's really since the invention of things like critical theory where they've taken their own practices and their own mindset and they've been able to offload it to someone else. Everything that they do, such as promoting racial hegemony, um, absolute crony capitalist corruption, they've managed particularly in the last hundred years with more... Um, like the Ashkenazi intermingling with Europeans and being able to change their last name, have more of a quote-unquote white appearance, everything that they do wrong is now, that's what white people are known for. Like the white male, the patriarchy, Western society, these giant, just monolithic institutions that we think of as something corrupt that needs to be destroyed, 
all that is is the Jews taking their own vileness and projecting it onto their host. I mean, it really is like a virus. So you're just saying corrupting all, the host body. All the hatred, all the hatred right now towards like the white people is due to the camouflage of the Jew. That's one hundred percent. I, I, at this point. I know it may sound knee-jerk and crackpot, but I would be hard-pressed to find a malady in the modern world that isn't directly linkable to the Jews. <laughs> well, yeah, they got their hands hands in everything. That's fucking true. But, um, you know, before I got to that, because we, we were just talking about the nature of the podcast, and you're right, I do give wrestling top billing, and as much as I want to be able to, just our millions of listeners, explain why they need to scrutinize the Jews' influence in their life. I want to fucking talk some wrestling, dude. Well, yeah, Pete Dunne's got a match tonight. We should be. That's true. We are recording the morning of uh, of NXT TakeOver Chicago. Which yes, is kind of... this is a morning, and it feels good. You know, the sun is shining. I can see the sun through my window. Uh, I know you enjoyed a nice one or two or three cups. Like, I didn't officially partake in a cup, but it's a different vibe right now. Usually we're kind of a late-night crew where, you know, it's it's dark outside, but I like this. It's it's a lot more sunny. Yeah, I noticed normally even when we were all together in Gorilla, you know, it's, it's always been like a nighttime yeah. huddling together in a cavernous situation. And, yeah, it's bright. I can see the green and the... The bright blue outside my window—it's it's nice. Are there and, are there young white children skipping and playing jump rope and laughing outside? No, unfortunately. I think they're all at like the park, maybe engaging okay, yeah. in physical activity, which is a good thing to do. But uh, yeah, we've got takeover tonight. Um, this week what marked the start of the best of the Super Juniors tournament with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we are now one week removed from the most recent Ring of Honor pay-per-view, uh, War of the Worlds, which is one of the, of course, now many uh, New Japan Ring of Honor crossover events that happens here in the States on an annual basis. But I, f I figure, why not go chronologically? Let's uh, Let's talk... Ring of Honor, because you and I actually, uh, we watch that one as together as we can. I know you and I are linked spiritually. I'd like to think that I'm always with you and you're always with me. Yeah. Anywhere we I go, think. but we can't be physically together, so at least we, we managed to hop on the PS4 and we chatted. Yeah, we, we do. There's a reason we have those matching friendship rings. It's true. And there's a reason I've got your name tattooed on my rectum. <laughs> On your rectum? Yeah. How does that work? Like, you right above, well, not like rectum. on, but like directly above. Oh. You, know, you know when you go to San Francisco, if you're coming from the north, you have to go underneath that giant painted rainbow on the bridge? Uh, it sounds familiar. I can't exactly picture it, but it sounds right. Is, yeah, that, so is, that, is that near the place where Hurley had a panic attack walking through? No, no. It's like just before you get to Golden Gate Bridge, you have to... You're coming down through like Sonoma and that whole area. There's yeah. a there's a tunnel you go through and it's got a big rainbow. Oh, okay, yeah, the tunnel. I see. Yeah, I got. It. So I mean, it's just like you have to see the rainbow before you enter San Francisco. You have to see like the name T Cat, and then in parenthetical Ryan C Thomas. What is uh, before you enter my asshole? Well, I am Mexican, so of course it's Old English. 
Okay. I was, I was hoping that was the answer. It's just like my family name on, like, the windshield of my car and the memorial to my dead cousin on my bumper. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything more, like, uh, shitty and, like, just white or Mexican trash thing than, like, printing up, like, memorial merch? Like, the shitty at-the-mall printed-in-a-couple-hours yeah. t-shirt of, like, R.I.P. with the year, like, the date of birth and the date of death, and, like, some really bad Polaroid photo of your shitty dead family member. Yeah, and it was made at You Name It in the Bayshore Mall. Exactly. That's... <laughs> it's like, you will never be forgotten in, like, old English because they think that's classy. Yeah, and it's always, like, a picture that was, like, uh, professionally done, like, at the mall. Like, the guy, like, on, like, one knee with, like, his hands, like, resting on, like, the, the box in front of him. <laughs> and he's wearing, like, a sweater vest, and he's in front of either clouds or lasers. Yes. Yes. So, I love the one that's, like, the candid photo. It's just, like, them in, like, a white t-shirt at the, like, kitchen table. <laughs> And it's always something like they died, they were, like, shot in the back during a drug deal, or they were doing illegal street racing and, like, wrapped their car around a telephone pole. Exactly. Every time. <laughs> but, uh, let's fucking get into Ring of Honor. Uh, <laughs> which, by the way, I mean, we're deep into this podcast, and I feel like I need to stick to the tradition. I don't want to... I don't want to be a Jew and just subvert every tradition just for the sake of it. Welcome to the Put'em Over podcast. My name is Lucha John. And I'd like to think that if it's just you and me, you and me, like, I want you to pr pretend. Close your eyes right now, T-Cat. Close your eyes. Okay. Yeah, they're closed. All right. I want you to pretend that you're on an island. Yeah. And the sound of my voice is coming across the ocean breeze. You can hear seagulls and the waves lapping on white sand and my voice. And it's just you and me in a starry, lonely cosmos. It's just you and me. There's no one listening, certainly not millions and millions of put em over fans. If it's just you and me, do you think that you can introduce yourself in a theoretical podcast intro? I just can't do it. It would go against every principle that I adhere to in life. Well, I'm Lucha John, and this is T-Cat. Hey! Hey, yo! Bam, ba -dam, ba -dam, ba -dam. And we're going to get into some fucking wrestling talk, so, uh... We, we, uh, we, like white people, did not pirate uh, Ring of Honor. We actually paid for it. Uh, what'd you think of the show, man? Let's uh, let's get into our thoughts. You know, I I'm always honest. I keep it I keep it real with the fans out there. I tried to pirate this show and I just couldn't find a way to do it. So, because I am white and I have a healthy bank account, once I couldn't find a working link, I just said, Hey, I'll just buy it. Like Fight TV's a good app. I have no problem supporting this show. So even though it was the last resort, we ended up buying it. But I like this show. Um, I've watched a lot of shit since then, like a few New Japan shows. So it's not exactly fresh in my memory. Like, I don't even remember what the first match was. But if you can hit me with, like, the match, that'll 
click my memory and I'll remember the specific matches. Well, um, there were a couple dark matches, and I want you to guess right now two of the people that were in the dark matches. Well, if it's in a Ring of Honor dark match, Will Ferrara and Cheeseburger were in it. <laughs> yeah, it was a three-way. It was the Rebellion. <laughs> it was the Rebellion against Cheeseburger, Will Ferrara, and Gato. Ease. Gato, that's tight. <laughs> Which, I'm, God, I'm going to allow myself to get tangential again, just chase this white rabbit. Uh, speaking of the Rebellion, Kenny King is going to be a contestant on the next season of The Bachelorette. Um, I love that. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> it's just hilarious to me that fucking Kenny King, like FSW star. Yeah, you couldn't think of like a funnier wrestler. Like, because... <laughs> Like, if it was anyone, like, bigger or more popular, it wouldn't be as funny. And if it was anyone, like, lower than him, it wouldn't be as funny. He's, like, the perfect level of, like, hilarity to be on the back. Yeah, he's already, like, low to mid-card in Ring of Honor. So, yeah, it's, like, the perfect startup. And to me, it's funny because he's not a particularly big dude. And he's not particularly that good-looking. That was a good drop. I mean, he's he's all right. He's average looking guy. Well, I I saw like I think he tweeted it like the cast photo and the Bachelorette is a black chick this this season and yeah. like seventy five percent of the bachelors are black, but they did throw some white guys in there, so I guess there's some white I'd, guys. I'd say it's I think it's predominantly white, and then there's like one Indian. Oh, no, Dude, I, I no I looked through the cast yesterday. It's like. Probably, like, 60% white, or maybe even, like, 50% white and, like, 35% black, and then they've got, like, an Asian dude, and they've got, like, a Pooh and Lou, and I think there's, like, one Jew. Well, we know that nobody's going to pick the Indian. No, he's going out first. Like, Curry Nigger, go home. But it's just going to be funny to me to just, like, see Kenny King, like, on these fake dates, like, going on... They're going to get, like, dune buggies and drive around and then, like, yeah. sip champagne by a pool. Yeah. We should have, like, a, a put-em-over, like, dating show. Now, so would it be women, like, vying to date us? Or should we just go and, like, try and date a particular woman? Uh, I think women would be competing for us, and we'd put them through like challenges, and we would have like a rose ceremony where we give like the rose to the girls that we pick that move on to the next round. Yeah, so they'd have to like prove themselves. Like we'd meet their families, we'd put them through questionnaires. So we'd have to find out like what's their upbringing, what's their personal character, what's their commitment level, and you know how much chemistry they have with us individually. And then each week, I can only give my rose. To whoever has the biggest hits. <laughs> well, if that's if that's how you judge, then yeah, you're, the way you judge the women is up to you. Yeah, that would be it too. Fat guys and big would, tits. I would line up the girls and give them each like a, a bowl, and I would see who could like fill the bowl the most with like their spit. So like the most volume, like if you could like fill up that bowl with spit, like you're going on in the next round. So saliva production is pretty important for you. Yeah, because some chicks can't even, like, create that much. Like, they just have a dry mouth and, like, just not much comes out. And then other girls can, like, fill up, like, an entire cup. So that's really important to me. So hmm. that would be one of my challenges. Hmm. It really makes you think. 
I don't know. At the same time, I think it'd be pretty fun to have us be the contestants for like a single chick. Because I just, I know it wouldn't be. I'm a, I'm a sporting gentleman. Yeah. I enjoy contests. I know it wouldn't be much of a contest to get any woman to pick me over you and Hurley, but I think it'd be fun, especially if we had like celebrity guests. Like we all have to fight over Taylor Hendricks. Okay. I always on much in the. In the same vein, I've always wondered, do you remember the show back in the day on MTV Room Raiders, where the chick would pick the date based on, like, the guy's room? Uh, I do not, because, no, sorry, I'm white and have a college education, so I've never watched MTV programming. Well, MTV back in the day, like, ten years ago, was tight. No, no, MTV, like, 30 years ago with Headbangers Ball with Ricky Rackman, that was tight. So you're telling me you didn't watch Undressed on MTV? I don't even know. Like, their softcore porn that they used to have? I don't know what that is. And I'm not working you right now. I want everyone to know I'm not doing this to create conflict and work a character. I have fucking no idea what that is. Well, Room Raiders was a show where there would be one chick and there would be three guys. And she had to choose between the three guys. But the thing is, she didn't get to see them. She didn't get to talk to them. She made her entire decision based on she would get to go into their bedroom with them not there and get to explore as much as she wanted. And the other part of it was that the guy, at least in the kayfabe of the show, the guy did not know that that was the dating show that he would be on, so he had no time to prepare his room or clean it. So it would be kind of like on the spot. So the chick would get to rifle through his room, look in the drawers, and just judge a guy based on his bedroom and, like, the things he has, like, the um, the way he makes his bed, all of that. And he, so she would pick blind. And I've always wondered how I would do on a show like that. Because I have a pretty amazing bedroom, and I think it would impress a lot of chicks, especially with my Trump flag right over my bed. Dude, see, now I'm curious. Well, I can't even imagine what sort of date would happen, because my bed is... Ne- I don't I don't put, like, normal linens on my bed. It's, like, the normal sheet, like, that covers the mattress itself, and then just yeah. a free-floating comforter. I don't have layers of additional sheets tucked in whatsoever. Yeah, see, that's the thing you gotta know. You gotta put your, you gotta put yourself in the mind of like a female walking into that room and seeing it for the first time. What is she gonna think you're like based off of just your room and the contents in this room? Well, there's like a Tenga flip, and there's a Tenga flip next to a copy of like the Dark Horse trade paperback of the original Alien vs Predator comics, <laughs> along with a. Uh, super imaginative Chokogin Chogokin Common uh, Rider Gaim figure posed with various masturbatory aids and a copy of The Culture of Critique which explores like the influence of Jews over the last the, two centuries. The back back when this was on it's it was mostly guys like around like college age that had like roommates or like lived with their parents or stuff. So it was always just a bedroom. But, like, if it expanded to, like, an entire house and she got to explore your house and see all, like, your gimmicks, like, I think you might have a shot with a certain type of chick. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, what would the date be, though? Like, I want you, put yourself in those shoes. Like, imagine you've got, like, nice tits. Like, you've got, you've got thighs. Like, they rub together when they walk because uh-huh. there's just, there's too much there. Yeah. And you're fucking coming into the house of Lucha John. And you're going to decide, like, all right, I have to go on a date with this guy and impress him, because for some reason apparently that's the goal, but that should be a woman's goal. Um, what what would you do? How, what date would you take me on? 
Well, first of all, I'm going to walk in the house and my pussy is going to dry up on site because those blue chairs from Costco aren't going to be in the living room. And that is just one of the quickest ways to just dry me up. Like, if they're there, it's like Niagara Falls, like, soaking up, like, my underwear, if I see those. But that's a bad start, because I'm not going to see those. But I'll look around, and I'll see, like, all the different Godzilla gimmicks and, like, the stacked-up comic books. And then I'll go over and see, like, one of the cheapest pops of your house. I don't know if it's still there, but, like, that little gimmick, like, office you created for yourself, like, on the kitchen counter that you always sit. And like that, like Freddie Mercury figure that always, pop, <laughs> that always pops me pretty hard. It is still there. He's yeah, uh, he's right next to Godzilla and Link from the Legend of Zelda right like, now. Like a cheap pop there. So I'm gonna look at all that and I'm gonna be pretty impressed, you know. And then I'll I'll go upstairs and then uh, I'm gonna open that closet right at the top of your stairs and see even more gimmicks. And then I'm gonna be even more impressed. And then I'm gonna look around. Go in, and then I'm going to see the blue chairs in the bedroom, and then that is when I will make your decision. So, I guess, with this, did they also, when they, like, looked at the rooms, they they had to, like, create a date around that, right? No, pick... that wasn't really part of it. It was just based on, off the room, who did the chick think she'd be most compatible with. Gotcha! I she... uh, see, you said, like, create, like... Pick the date. I didn't realize you meant pick who she was dating. I thought she had no, to like she, create the, the date. Like she no, picked no. where they went based on just their room. You'd go into the room of three different guys, and based on how their room was, she would pick which of the rooms were attached to the guy that she would want to date. And then after that, it was you know whatever they wanted it to do. Hmm. It's a good show. You should look up some Room Raiders episodes on YouTube. I'm sure they're up. There. I'm just wondering like how. How this would factor in, though, like, if you're the woman and you're you're here, how inadequate do you feel when you see, like, like all of my Katsuragi merch? Like, do you even bother trying to date me because you know that well, you'll yeah, never you stack gotta, up to my waifu? Good, you gotta have a good draw on the chick, because I'm sure some chicks are gonna love that, and others probably won't like it. So it just all depends on the draw you get. That's, I, I, I think women would be intimidated. All women, though? I don't know. I mean, I think you'd have to be a pretty brave soul to th- look at Katsuragi and think, you know what, I can take this man away from this 2D goddess. Man, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. And, and honestly, I would love to meet the woman who thinks that she can do that. Man. Because I, I like a strong, obviously, with Katsuragi being my wife, I like an assertive, strong, confident woman. Yeah. And I think you'd have to be that to... Not relent in the face of Katsuragi, so, huh? I'd be interested. <laughs> I don't know how we got to this. Oh, we were supposed because to talk Kenny, about Ring of Honor. It's fucking Kenny King. Yeah, then the Ring of Honor led to Kenny King, which led to the Bachelorette, and the Bachelorette led to Room Raiders. Right. More importantly, like, I want you to describe you described how wet your pussy got when you saw like yeah. the the fucking chairs and shit. Let's say yeah. you did pick me and I came to pick you up in the date. Full Ross <laughs> with a citizen watch. I'd give you my ain. <laughs> God. Right, let's fucking talk Ring of Honor. So, uh, if you remember, dude, the the show opened up with like the cheap pop match. It was that fatal four way. Um, 
number one contender for the world title match. It was uh, it was like Kushida, Silas, who's literally our guy. It was uh, Bobby Fish and Dalton. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember. That was a match, dude. That like as much as I was kind of disappointed in the result because out of the four guys, or actually. Bobby Fish was the guy I wanted to see win the least. But after that, it was Dalton. I wasn't really that pumped about a Dalton win. And he ended up winning. Obviously, I wanted Silas to win. But Silas was the star of that match. He worked the best out of all four of those guys. The most memorable spots were all Silas, whether he was giving the offense or, like, taking the bump. And I'm really hoping that when we go to Long Beach on July 1st and 2nd, we see Silas versus Kushida for a strap. Yeah, and that's uh, that's some other interesting news is that uh, at the TV tapings following the War of the Worlds pay-per-view, Kushida did win the Ring of Honor TV title. So he is currently strapped. And the preceding days... When they've been doing the uh, the War of the Worlds tour, Silas quite famously now beat Kushida and cut an online promo burying that little Jap motherfucker. So there's already there's a precedent for Silas to dominate Kushida. Is that the is that the promo where he was outside like smoking a cig? I can't remember if he was or not. I just remember him talking about he beat Jay Lethal and he beat the guy who beat Jay Lethal, aka yeah. Kushida. And so he's he's top guy. And you know what? Honestly, your assessment of the match is spot on. Like, not even being the Silas Mark that we are, he really did, like, carry that match. Like, it seemed like every... Because any... Typically, unless it's really rehearsed, any Fatal 4-Way is really just going to be trade-offs of one-on-one while the other two guys rest. And it seemed like most of the interaction centered on Silas against someone else. Yeah. It seemed like everybody else was taking turns rocking with Silas. Which everyone should line up around the fucking block to work with Silas. He's the GOAT. Huh? Yeah, I thought it was a it was a hell of a good match. It reminded me of uh Oh god, who all was in that fatal four way? It was like wasn't it like Punish was it Punisher Martinez? You what, remember? from what event? I I uh, I think it was Supercard of Honor. I don't know, maybe it was Final Battle. I just remember recently, like, one of the best matches of the night being, like, the low-card four-way that they did. Yeah. I, I can't even that. remember who it was, was in it. was the last pay-per-view. It, it, Punisher was in it, for sure. I just remember being hella fucking good. Yeah. But uh, bringing up Dalton's victory, I think that's a really boring choice, and it's nothing against Dalton. It's just he was the last number one contender. He well, yeah, fought. they had they had their chance with Dalton. Like he, his peak, well, not his peak, but he was going really hard. You know, like six months or so ago. And if you wanted to do it then, that would have been fine. But it's yeah, he it's was already really he was really hot last year, and they've cooled him off a ton. Yeah, but he he literally already had his chance. That was the main event of the previous fucking pay per view. Like he tried yeah. to take the strap and he lost. So to do that again already, when you're not even like invoking some kind of rematch clause, it's really boring. They yeah. they definitely needed to give it to Silas. What we got next? Uh, well, next up was uh, see this was a show where I felt like 
it started off so strong and like the energy was great and I was really marking out. Uh, next up was the Hangman Page versus Kazarian match. Damn, yeah, this match. I, I felt the same way as you because I remember we talked about it right after it happened. This match was rolling and then it just ended abruptly and it didn't need to. Like this match had the potential to be like a great Ring of Honor match. They'd have given it like five to ten more minutes. Yeah, I want to look up. I'm, I'm not seeing. Normally, the results have the time, but I feel like that was like a seven-minute match. It was like women at a WWE pay-per-view level short. And they started off like going hard. Like the match, there wasn't really a lot of uh, kind of like squaring up of each other, kind of walking around, sizing each other up. Like the bell rang and it went hard from the very start. So that. That gave it a little more room to be shorter because they got it going right away, but still. You give that, like, 12 to 15 minutes, that's going to be, like... It could have been, like, match of the night. It was that level. The, sh- yeah. the small amount they got was go. Yeah, that's definitely one where, like... And they were just building up the momentum to where you're like, all right, I think we've got another good seven, eight minutes to this match, and it's going to get crazy. I'm hoping the reason they cut it short is that it's not the last time we're going to see it. Yeah, I'd say... I can see Ring of Honor doing that. So, uh, next up was, I thought, another really great match. Not anything to really talk a ton about, but it was uh, it was War Machine uh, against some LIJ members. It was Evil and Sonata, and then mm-hmm. members of Search and Destroy, uh, Chris Sabin and Jonathan Gresham, who, they've been making a big deal. Gresham just officially signed with Ring of Honor. It's like, dude, you've been working dark matches and, like, undercard matches constantly. Like four years. Yeah, he, he's like a cheeseburger to Will Ferrara. He's with them. Yeah, he's in that level. Yeah, like you said, this match, I don't really remember much about it. War Machine was in it, and LIJ were in it, so it was tight, but not a lot of memorable moments. I'd give it, you know, like a two and a half stars, three I'd, stars. I'd, I'd give it like a three stars if we're throwing out some star ratings. I thought it was a really fun match, but yeah, just nothing to super comment about. Yeah, War uh, Machine was in it, so it's tight. I love War Machine. Dude, what was with those gimmick masks they were wearing, though? Oh, like on their entrance? Yes. Yeah, those were sick. I don't, I don't know how I feel about those. I don't feel like they fit. Like, to me, the masks looked a little more full-on, like, gimp suit background character in a Mad Max movie. I think it'd be tighter if they came out with, like, fucking Viking helms. Like, they looked like they were about to go to an Amana Marth concert. I could get behind that. Uh, next up was the fucking, like, match of the night. Like, hands down. Will Ospreay, Jay White. Yeah, it what was. What the fuck? It was number one. Easy. And I, I, I thought it'd be good. Going in, I didn't think it would be as good as it ended up being, but you know, Ospreay just on a roll like his last couple months seems like every match he's on on every card ends up being like the match of the night but this was crazy and Jay White was just as impressive as Osprey Jay White's the truth uh, dude I feel like Jay White's really hitting his stride I was excited when they announced that he was coming to Ring of Honor basically going abroad as a young boy so when his when his time in the states ends he's going to come back and be huge in Japan yeah but He's been working enjoyable matches, but nothing has been on the same level as just his young boy undercard stuff in New Japan. And this was the first time where I'm like, God damn, like this was really fucking good. Like Jay yeah, White, I think he's really get pushed here in the States. His couple of PWG matches, neither of them are really great. Like I can't recall exactly who he's 
uh, been matched up against in PWG. The it last was the villain. Times. Yeah, that one was all right. It wasn't great. But... Yeah, I, I think you we remarked when we were hanging with Scoves and we recorded an episode of his show that like, you know, on paper that sounds great, but Jay White just didn't. Jay White didn't take to the PWG environment the way that Leo Rush did. Yeah, he's like he's like a Cody, just like a faggot uh, at PWG. What's the... Cody's a faggot everywhere, and you need to yeah, slow down. Yeah, I actually like, gotta take that back. That, say, match, that match, Jay White had like the a, a Cody match, like one match where he just did not connect at all. But besides that, he's been great yeah. and everything. And this Ring of Honor match was the best that I've seen him. Even better than his stuff in Japan, because he never really got to the point where he was doing more than like you know those six man tags that like open up the show or the occasional or, like eight minute solo match just fighting like fucking finley jr yeah exactly like <laughs> yeah like for four straight pay-per-views like that like kicked off the show it was good shit though like i felt this was match of the night and unfortunately this is also like where stuff kind of started to go downhill yeah it did um because next up was the like street fight for the six man it was the six man for like the trios titles, yeah. and you had uh, Rapongi Vice and Goto against uh, Bubba Ray and the Briscoes. And dude, bad. Goto was willing to come on out to the Vice music. The fact that like Bubba Ray seems like such a self mark. Yeah. How's that sound? Me? Yeah, like what are you doing? Jacking off. <laughs> it's tight. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah like, Goto coming out to that music was awkward. He was kind of, like, moving his shoulders a little bit, like, kind of, like, mini dancing, because that's, that's, that's pretty sick Rocky beat, you know? And then, you know, Rocky wants you to go on his band camp and buy that song. <laughs> and <laughs> just anything, anything with Bubba Ray in Ring of Honor is just yawn-worthy. Like, I'm just not into it. No, it's... Like, he sucks. He should not be strapped. Boring. Like, he's cool. Like, if he wanted to stick around in Ring of Honor and, and have matches, that'd be fine. Like, but he doesn't need any strap. Because the whole point, they publicly said, like, with the trio's titles, they want to be able to, like, have a tag team. Or, like, at least one or two really established guys pairing up with kind of underdeveloped talent to kind of give them the rub. So to give it to the Briscoes, who are literal, like, day one Ring of Honor guys. And then a guy who's been wrestling for like 25 years or more. Yeah, and the, is... the, the trio's champ should be like God and Chase Owens. Yeah, like that that would be fucking awesome. Or like seriously, it should be... I remember, oh God, what was the team? It was like Kushida, fucking ACH, and like Cheeseburger or some shit for a while. Wasn't it like Jay White? Oh yeah, that? yeah, it was Jay White. Yeah. yeah, like something like that makes sense. And that tournament to like crown the first champs, it was the team was like Kushida, Jay White, and ACH, wasn't it? Yeah, and then like didn't ACH have to sub out and Leo Rush was in it for a while? Like they oh, were flipping God. back and forth? Yeah, because all black people are interchangeable. Yeah. The thing is, no, nothing is interchangeable with the fucking Midnight Cannonball. That's true. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, th this this was a boring fucking match, and the fact that I was bored by a Vice match pissed me off, and, like, Vice was putting in work and just... And, of course, since it was Vice and it was no DQ, fucking Trent was taking the bumps. Yeah, he's bump guy. God. 
Um, then it was uh, it was the TV title match. It was uh, villain. Like, right there, it's like, all right, you're watching a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and the villain Marty Skrull is going to defend a title. Like, I'm so excited. There's no way I'm not going to be excited. And the only way to just kill my fucking buzz is to announce fucking Mr. No Dimes himself, Matt Seidel. <laughs> God, for, like, honestly, when I remember the match, and then when you started, like, your little build-up to it, I, my mind started scrambling. I was like, who did... I don't even remember who the villain was against in this match. And then when you said it, like, I remembered. And that was weird. Uh, like, just out of nowhere, bringing him back with, like, no hype. Like, he, like we say every single time there's a Matt Seidel match. He's a good wrestler. Like, there's no way to say otherwise. But, like, it's the Bobby Fish thing. Like, who cares? And even Bobby Fish has charisma and can cut promos, and I enjoy him. But, yeah, it's like two guys, they're just, they're not a draw. Like, seeing like, their name go, doesn't excite me. Just go full side out and come out with, like, a Bob Marley blanket and some kombucha. And then <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe that'll work. Yeah, he's just, he's boring. Nothing there. Uh, is kombucha a meme? Yeah, kombucha is a meme. <laughs> And then it would, dude, it was Bucks versus the other, like, members of LIJ. It was fucking, it was a weird mix, but I really appreciated it. It was Bushi and Naito. Yeah, that was great, obviously. Like, Young Bucks rule applies here, but I'm going to still say it was great. And that was a good, like you said, that was kind of out of nowhere. You'd expect kind of like any other guy besides Bushi to be with Naito or any other combo besides Naito. Like, if you were to break all the members of LIJ into, like, groups of two, like, the least likely duo would have been Naito and Bushi, at least Seriously. in my opinion. No, that, that makes perfect sense, and I think anyone familiar with the stable would agree. Yeah, and uh, and it, was, it took me off guard, but of course it was a great match. And Naito is God. I don't even know how Dude, to say it. We're, we're going to get into Naito uh we need to move Ring of Honor along so we can actually talk best of Super Juniors. But yeah, Naito is. I forgot who I forgot who I was talking to already. But I was texting. Some, oh no, I forgot. But <laughs> I said Naito is like because of the Young Bucks rule. I don't include any like Bullet Club members if I'm thinking like who like the goat is. But I was gonna say outside of the Bullet Club, like Naito is like my favorite like in the world. Dude. Because uh, so, I was thinking, like, who's my favorite in the world? It's like AJ Styles, but that's Bullet Club. Yeah. Like, I'm outside of the quiz, I don't know who my favorite in the world would be, but when it comes to heels, like, the greatest heel in the world is Naito. It's not even fucking up for debate. But, so, oh, I remember who I was texting. I was texting with friend of the show, Cat, and that's, oh, that's when tight. I for that. Well, I'm sure friend of the show, Cat, would love the next match, which was big match Tana against Bebe, Adam Cole, her favorite wrestler. Does love her some baby. Yeah, I didn't like this match to be honest. It was really? Kinda, yeah, it was good, but it wasn't anything crazy. Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I feel like this. Could... I never really, I never really connected with it. I connected with it. I enjoyed it, but I think I can understand being uh, a little disappointed because those two names they fucking draw dimes. Like when I saw this match, I'm like, this could be a like a fucking match of the year contender. And yeah, they draw again. Yeah, do they draw the fucking big yen? Like, it was a really good match, but it was not, like, 
modern classic status like it could have been. Those yeah, two could have really just, done there something. Was, there was something missing. I don't know what it was. Like they, neither of them looked bad. They both looked good. The match was good, but there was just kind of like a intangible missing. Obviously, this leads into. I mean, Bebe lost, and this leads into like the big thing. You fucking. As I said, I was at Hydra's lair, and you hit me up, and you're like freaking out. Like you're basically acting like a white woman. Like you're just losing your composure about yeah, the spoiler, and you're like, dude, we need to watch. I know we're not watching it live, but we can't wait for a recording later. Like we need to fucking watch War of the Worlds tonight. And I, I dropped what I was doing and went home to engage in like tape review because you were freaking out. And like Hurley, you did the same thing to Hurley, and he and I were like, all right, what's going on? He he thought Punk came back. <laughs> I I thought Silas got strapped. I'm like trying to think of what happened. And uh it's pretty crazy. This is something that we kind of predicted. I we've had debates on the show before. Would Marty Skrull make a good Cliz member? He's so gimme, like he's way gimmier than anyone else in the Cliz that the idea of him being in a stable like that Seems strange, but at the same time, we've already seen on being the elite, he's got the like uh, the chemistry with the Bucks, and because he's like kind of a comedic shithead heel, he fits in with the whole theme of the stable. Yeah, um, uh, I had questions about whether it would work or not when I was fantasy booking in my mind the villain <laughs> in the quiz, which I did pretty frequently, and I. I I saw this when I like wasn't supposed to. Like I was exposed to a spoiler that did this and that made me want to watch it that night. I was going to plan I was planning on watching it like the next day or something, but I accidentally saw the spoiler so I had to watch it that night. And I'm surprised that neither of you had that as like a guess. Did like when you were trying to figure out what it would be, did that cross your mind at all? And you like went with dude Silas and said, dude, a new Cliz member did not cross my mind at all, which is weird because correct me if I'm wrong, was it not War of the Worlds 2016 when we got Bebe in the Cliz? Like this was basically obviously not to the date, but to the show, but like the one year uh-huh. anniversary of Adam Cole in the Cliz. Wasn't that best in the world? Was it best in the world? I thought it was War of the Worlds. Could be. I don't know. They well, did so many like New Japan crossovers last year. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. It was one of those. It was one of those two. I'm pretty sure. Of course. Now, obviously, this means Bebe's off to NXT. Um, now, I didn't listen to Melt shooting. You said he's got an idea of when we might see. Bebe uh, debut. He said, he said right away. He said that they, that's uh, Cole would be one of the guys that they kind of like fast track to like the TV tapings, and he's not gonna have a transitional phase where he's doing house shows and not on TV. They say like right away he's gonna be like in the kayfabe and on the episodes. Well, I think they're gonna give him the Drew Galloway rub. I think he's gonna probably be in the crowd in like a suit in the front row at Takeover Melt, tonight. Melt said that did he yeah like they've been doing that so much and i think that sucks i don't think baby's the guy to do that to like i don't want them to give baby the hot free agent treatment i want him to just interrupt a match and beat the shit out of someone and be a fuckhead from like minute one dude i forgot that melts 
like even drop that, but that show is tonight. Like it would be tight if the camera like pans to him in a suit and he like two sweets the camera or something. God. Yeah, he need he needs to do like Doc and Machine Gun and occasionally AJ do. Like he needs to keep throwing up the two sweets. Yeah. He can't be like fucking Finn Balor who fucking tries to bury that he was Prince Devitt at one point in life. He's just Turdy Tree. Turdy Tree. <laughs> He's gonna kick you into trot. <laughs> <laughs> But I, it was a great reveal. Kenny fucking kicked Bebe out of the Cliz like we've seen a couple times before. And Marty is already a much better addition than the last fucking member we got. So. And the ProWrestlingTees.com Bullet Club Umbrellas win. Right? I'd buy one. I'd have a... I'd even get like a, like a lace parasol. Like a dainty... <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, and then let's fucking, to get done with Ring of Honor, fucking the main event sucked. Let's just throw that out there. The Triple Threat, yeah, Jay Lethal, it. Cody. I didn't watch it. I fell asleep because we were watching this show. Oh, I remember. 4. You fucking filled in for Hurley and you were fall asleep guy. Oh, sorry. When it's at 4 a.m., it's not fall asleep guy. Shoot, it was like 4 a.m. <laughs> but yeah, I felt, and when it's 4 a.m. and Cody Rhodes is on my TV screen, it's not fall asleep guy. Because that guy makes me fall asleep every time I see him. And I fell asleep, didn't see that, and when I woke up, I did not uh, watch the match, and I haven't since, so I still haven't seen that match at all, and I have no desire to do it. It sucks. Like, Fallen Angel retained, which is what should have happened, but Cody is so... Like, I just want to talk about one moment in this match, because it drives home... Because you and I have a beef with Cody for a very different reason than a lot of people do. A lot of people are pissed that he's already got a huge ego because he went to the Indies and he's already getting put over. Like, he's been tweeting out how uh, he's such a draw that he got Ring of Honor their biggest buy rate and that he and the Bucks could sell out Madison Square Garden with enough time to promote. Like, just really being an arrogant cocksucker. You and I hate him because he's not a fucking... He's not acting like a Cliz member. Like, if he wasn't in the Cliz, I don't think I'd have the animosity towards him that I do. Oh, that's, that's exactly it. Like, he'd be boring if he was just Cody Rhodes, like, indie guy. He'd be boring, but I wouldn't really hate him. But yeah, it's this... He's in this, like, Cliz limbo where he's not fully out of it, but he's not fully in it. And, well, and he just... He doesn't get it. Like, Marty, right off the bat, like, he's in. He's Cliz. Same with Bebe. Like, the fucking, they get it. There's a moment in the match that, to me, was just a total, just emblematic of my beef with Cody. And he does something shitty, and he goes to the outside, and Bone Soldiers are fucking cheering, and he throws up the two sweets, and he leans in to too sweet a Bone Soldier... And then pulls back and flips him off instead. Like the classic, like, heel fake out, which is totally antithetical to, like, the attitude of the Cliz. Like, the Cliz are the biggest shithead faces ever. They act essentially like faces to their fans. Yeah, only to the fans, though. Yeah, like, they're heels to everyone (laughs) in the actual business, but the Marks, like, they're huge faces for. Exactly. Yeah, I can fuck out, Cody. Cody sucks. So, great fucking show, but it leads right into uh, leads right into the best of the Super Juniors, which was started this week, because uh, Marty Skrull made his fucking, not only his New Japan debut, but his in-ring debut as a Cliz member. Yep. So, and we, uh, we stayed up pretty late again, watching night one and most of night two. Um, 
I'm not going to pull up the card. I think we can just have like a general discussion about what we hope to see, what our predictions are of who might win, who should win, and some mm-hmm. of the match highlights. Um, so yeah, I'm I not... want, um, looking at you know the block A, block B, the guy I wanted to win is Kame Tachi. And I don't think he's going to anymore. I think, I'm pretty sure you want the villain to take it, correct? I'm a little torn on this one, man. Like, I'd love, obviously, since I'm a bone soldier for life, and villain is over as fuck, I'd love to see him take it. But like you said, he'd be the third gaijin in a row to take it. And you know what? That's While it sounds shitty, that means it's probably likely, because... As you and I were discussing last night, like New Japan's uh, profits have quadrupled since 2011. They're really pushing in the overseas market, and so they may do the same way. Like we're gonna have to tomorrow. I'm gonna have to sit through a fucking Jinder Mahal main event at Backlash because they're trying to pander the poo and lose. Well, they're oh, probably gonna. So you think you think they know that they're good in Japan? Nothing is gonna hurt their their. Uh... They're based in Japan, so might as well try to branch out and get more, like, British and U.S. guys. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I have a point I want to make about that, but real quick, I do just want to finish up saying, like, I think he has a good chance, and I'd like him to win it, but me, personally, I think it would be very cool if Liger won it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just want to see him. He said this is, like, his last time. I'd love for him to go out winning and just show that he's still... Like, I know Neville loves to call himself the king of the cruiserweights, but, like, there's absolutely no fucking debate. Like, the king of the cruiserweights, the guy who invented the shooting star press. It's Liger, man. He's the goat. The shoot? But getting to my point about villain is I don't think strapping him or putting him over as winning the best of super juniors or anything like that is necessarily entirely western or pandering because he was over as fuck when he debuted and it's not like wow he's really good and people are discovering him and they just take a liking to him immediately there were people in the crowd that like knew to do the chance people shushing the moment he grabbed someone's hand for the finger break there was one japanese guy in the front row wearing like the shoot green pwg logo t-shirt i think japan the japanese marks they're getting more and more beyond wwe like internationally savvy like these guys are coming over and they already know their body of work like they're familiar so I, I think they're actually giving the Japanese fans what they want as well. Yeah, he's, I, like you said, as it part of it would be like the pandering to others. He can, he's on his own, just in Japan, he's already over. So it's not even like it's just about that. That's just one of many parts of him going over. Yeah, so I, I'll, I think he has a good chance of winning it. I'd like to see him win it. And I'm really excited to see what he does in Japan because already he's got... I mean, he had the match of the first night. Like, his match against Osprey was ridiculous. Yeah. That was the match of the night. That was the match of the first two nights. Yeah, well, I haven't finished night two, but so far, yeah, nothing else has come really gotten that level. I thought uh, Liger Michinoku was pretty good. Yeah, it was. Um, I liked... Uh... Kame Tachi, Dragon Lee. 
that was excellent. But that I mean, was like, those, I, that's my second favorite match so far besides Osprey villain. But those guys know each other so well that I mean that's like a almost they a fight forever type thing. Of Ring of Honor, like whenever they're whenever they had that uh, match on pay per view, seems like a long time ago. But that was one of the best matches I've seen from Ring of Honor in a long time. Yeah, those two just fucking kill it. Kamitachi's a great shithead. Yeah. Obviously, he belongs in LIJ, particularly coming from CMLL. Um, for me, the other big highlight of the show is, for some reason, night two, like the first half of the night, wasn't even best of Super Junior tournament matches. It was just random-ass New Japan tag matches. Yeah. And it was Naito. So, <laughs> for those of you who didn't watch, Naito fucking... I mean, he's a piece of shit, anyway. But his entrance on night two, he comes out and he's got the Intercontinental title on the floor. And he's just, like, kicking a can down the street. He just walks up to it, kicks it down a little further, saunters up to it, kicks it down a little further. Just being a real shithead. And then he picks it up and he's walking towards the steps to get in the ring. And he pauses and just out of nowhere takes the belt and throws it as hard as he can into the steel steps multiple fucking times and I loved that afterwards they showed like the ring boys like trying to bend it back into place because you can see he like literally broke the title yeah he did he's the shithead of the shitheads like it made me want I want him to win because the other big announcement from New Japan um, they announced and they're creating their own United States title and it looks better than WWE's, obviously, and it's going to be way more prestigious. And the part of the two-day event here in Long Beach, they're going to have a tournament and crown the first champion. Obviously, it sounds like it's going to probably come down to, like, Cody or Big Mike. They're going to strap a Gaijin, but I think it'd be amazing if they strapped Naito and just have him treat a brand-new title designed to pander to a Western audience like that. Oh, that'd be a heel move infinite heat yeah i don't yeah i think he's already way above that title he's not even gonna be in like the tournament oh he absolutely won't he's probably he might have like a he's probably gonna have a intercontinental title defense yeah but it's there's nothing and i said this at wrestle kingdom 9 like naito should be in the main event all the time there's no limits on this guy he's fucking amazing goat But it was, it was, you know, it's a lot of fun just watching. I'm excited to watch the rest of the Best of the Super Juniors. It's a lot yeah, of you fun. Got, you got kind of re-inspired towards New Japan. Like, I remember we were just planning on watching Night 1, and you were so pumped. You're like, I'm watching Night 2 right now. Yeah, like, it was like... into it. It was like midnight, and we still had not recorded. We were originally going to record Thursday night, and I'm like, dude, let's just watch more New Japan. And I, I, like, I'm going to suggest the same thing, like, every day. Like, yeah. that we should just watch New Japan, because New Japan is so elementally, at its core, enjoyable. Like, come? everything that they do when they produce it, it's so fucking good. Beyond, like, the actual matches and the guys, I love the way it's presented. The fact that, uh, you're a sports guy, you might know how to describe this more. Like, the lighting and the actual, like, camera frame rate that they use to make it look more like a boxing show. Oh, yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, and that goes with like the press conferences they do and all that. They present it as like a as a shoot fight, and that adds to it. 
It gives every single show like a big fight feel and like you actually get into it. It feels the same as when you're watching like WCW or something as a kid. Like yeah. a late eighties just an actual wrestling show. Yeah, not raw. No. And that's what's weird is they rebranded as sports entertainment and they try and they like try and get ESPN coverage and they try and hang with the the actual sports and yet it feels fake. Whereas in Japan it feels legitimate. You feel like yeah. It's no different from watching a baseball game. Yeah. Fuck. Love New Japan. So I'm, I'm excited to see the rest of the best Super Juniors. Definitely excited to go there. After TakeOver. I'll do it. You think I won't? Actually, I probably won't. I'm going to go see Alien Covenant tonight because I'm an Alien fanboy. You're not even going to watch TakeOver? Oh, I'm going to watch TakeOver. Is that before or after Alien? Before. Cause it's a, I'm going to watch that shit live. Because I, I need to know the moment... Like, if Bebe arrives. Yeah. Like, I'll, I will know whether or not Bebe arrives before this episode actually airs. Because I I, it's, like, on me to produce it this week, so. Yeah, it is. I might be a little, I might, I'm not as lazy as you, but I might be a little bit lazy. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to watch it live. I'm going to watch it on, like, a two-hour, like, delay. Like, I'll watch it tonight. It won't be live, though. That's tight. You said, uh, since you'll be at work, and I want, I want to wrap up the show this way, because this is something that really intrigued me, and I was really interested in the topic, and it goes right back to discussing the Jews. You were actually watching the game where Kevin Pillar supposedly called Mott, like, a faggot, right? <laughs> Pilar, but yeah. Pilar, whatever, who gives a shit? Break, break down the who incident, the and fuck? you know more about it than I do. I just, you told me about it, and I got worked into a shoot by it, so. Yeah, you did. So you want me to give a bog on it? Yeah, give me give me a bog on it, and then I don't know if you've read more. You've probably read more of the Fallout, and are more clued into it since you're a sports guy. Yeah, there's a there's a pitcher on the Atlanta Braves, Jason Mott. He's a reliever. He's kind of a he's he's way below average. He's been around for like a decade. Like always, just been kind of a shitty relief pitcher. And then there on the Toronto Blue Jays, there's a young like budding star outfielder Kevin Pillar, who's hitting over 300 this year, and he's turning into a great player. And in baseball, there's this thing called quick pitching, and there's a certain rhythm that a pitcher goes through in like a game where you kind of expect when he's going to pitch. And sometimes whack ass pitchers break that rhythm to try to like throw off the batter, and that's what he did. He did what's called quick pitching. He was trying to mess with Kevin Pillar's timing, and he did. And Kevin Pillar did not appreciate that. <laughs> so he called him what he is, a faggot. And he is a faggot. And I guess uh, some TV cameras or something caught it, and everybody made like a huge deal about it. ESPN is acting like it's the end of the world. He should never be allowed to play the game again. Everybody's freaking out. And the Toronto Blue Jays ended up caving, and they demanded Pillar publicly apologize, which is fine because he as as shoot as you want to be, like, when you're in that type of position, sometimes you have to do that. Like, I know that it's not a real apology. Sometimes you have to throw the fake apology out there, and that's not bad. I don't hold that against them. But then the Blue Jays went ahead and suspended him. Wait, so, they actually did suspend him? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's been finalized. Wait, so, where's – I, I want to point something out, though. What town is the Blue Jays from? Uh, Toronto. So they're fucking leaves. Yeah, they're the Toronto Blue Jays. They have the rakes coming. Yeah, they're, they're Trudeau's baseball team. Jeebus. And, 
Yeah, that happened, and I don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head how long he got suspended. It wasn't a huge suspension. It may, I think it may have been less than a week, so it's between like three and six games, I think. But that's money that – oh, that uh, reminds me of another thing. They also announced that um, in Major League Baseball when you get suspended, whether it's for steroids, whether it's for um, this, whether – the team can suspend you for like showing up late to team meetings, stuff like that. Whenever that happens is uh, they take like your salary for the year and they divide it by 162, which is the amount of games in a Major League season, and they break it down to how much money you make per game. And then when you're suspended, the money that you would have made those games you don't make, and the Blue Jays are choosing to donate his salary that he would have made to some, uh, like, gay charity. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, so... uh, I love that they'll fucking count truancy, unprofessionalism, uh, like, drug abuse on the same level as banter. Yeah, so I, I don't know how much Kevin Pillar is making this year. I, if I were to guess, because I'm, I, I know quite a bit about the contracts, but I'd say he's probably making around five million dollars this year. So five million divided by one sixty-two, they figured out how much money he makes a game, and then so they took five games worth of pay, which is a lot of money when you're making five million dollars for a year, and they're taking that and they're not giving it to him, and they're giving it to a faggot charity. Like a shoot faggot charity, like a noun, not like an adjective. So just so you're aware, uh, it's $154,321. Per game? No, 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 total. Oh, okay, yeah. He lost out because he's a man engaging in physical activity like a competitive sport and engaged in banter. Yeah. Like how fucking cupped is baseball? up there and it's because all the you know women's sports casters are like whining about it and you know the days of like babe ruth smoking a cigar like in the dugout and like pounding whiskey like in between ab's hitting like three home runs and then eating like a big ass steak and fucking like three whores after the game <laughs> those days are over because there's all these women sports casters that whine about everything. Gee, and I wonder who hired those women sports casters. It was funny that I didn't realize that they had actually chosen to suspend him i just knew that uh tons of people were calling for his suspension and i read three or four different opinion pieces i think two of which were from espn and of course every single name was like goldstein brownstein <laughs> like every single one was some weaselly hook-nosed kike and it's like what always a fucking is. shock always is but uh who's that fucking white bitch that uh Levo- oh, what the lamar ball yeah, LeVar Ball. Yeah. That's Christine Leahy. God, what a... Like, I'm not sports guy. I'm not clued in on who people are or, like, what the fuck's going on with the structure of the shows. See, the, the one thing about that that I enjoy is, um, you know, the side that gets, you know, mad and complain about everything. Everything they do is based on, like, uh, either the ethnicity or, like, the status of the people involved. So it's always funny when like something like this happens is because you know the liberals their automatic you know instinct is take the side of the woman and it's also their automatic instinct take the side of the black guy so when they clash and you see these people's their heads are spinning because they're trying to decide my god like if i agree with this black guy then like i'm anti-woman and if i'm on her side then i'm like racist and their heads are spinning because they don't know whose side to take it's it's like uh the the 
the term that was coined the oppression Olympics. Yeah. Like you, there's a hierarchy of oppression, and you have to figure out where something fits. And of course, like that syntax is how a liberal operates. Like they don't actually use their head or logic or reason or well, facts. Yeah, because, because if it's a white guy in Levar Ball's spot, then they're 100 percent on the girl side. And if it was a white guy or like a, a Muslim guy that was against LeVar Ball, they would be 100% on his side. So the fact that they're both people that they automatically agree with on everything are going against each other, that's given me a lot of entertainment, just to see kind of like the the head spin. Well, just, it's the amazing. Hamster, the it, hamster wheels spin. Dude, it, it, well, it really makes them think. Uh, yeah. It's fucking baffling to me. It just shows that liberal leftist pieces of shit are fucking robots, and if you throw them a curveball like this, it's like the classic logical error infinite loop that can cause a robot to get stuck and like self-destruct because they can't handle it and all you have to do is something like pit a fucking woman against a negro and they're like i can't function yeah exactly just for illustrative purposes i want everyone to know that i was like mimicking donald trump mocking that one fucking retard cripple reporter i was like flailing like a retard right there i don't know Whatever. I don't care if Trump knew or not. Fuck all cripples. You're less than human. <laughs> that, that was unfair. That was uncalled for. That wasn't. Yeah, nice. he wasn't. He wasn't mocking him <laughs> being. Uh... So. Well, I, mean, I think this was a fun episode. Yeah, I liked it. I'm enjoying the new. Uh, the new setup. I'm glad I thought of it. I'm a great man. Yeah, you're great. I am. You're all right, too. I keep you around for that reason. You amuse me like a pet. Like a, like a, like a, like a primate on a street corner with a hurdy-gurdy and a small hat. Hey, I'll accept that. All right, that's cool. So, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Put em Over Podcast. Obviously, you can support the podcast by going to ProWrestlingTees.com slash over and buy some of our t-shirts. We'd appreciate it. We worked really hard on them. We don't really need the money because we're rich white people that are beloved by our community and all of you listeners at home. But, you know, the more of them you buy, the more designs we can put up and just wow and impress you. And you can really diversify your wardrobe with our products. And uh, honestly, if you guys don't start buying the T-shirts more, we might have to privatize the show and it'll be behind a paywall. Yeah, and capitalism gives us the right to do that. Speaking of Pro Wrestling Tees, one last sidebar before we sign off. I do have a current ProWrestlingTees.com order in. should be arriving within the next two weeks. I bought the Tokyo Pimp and Mato Nico Jackson. Yes, I bought the new Young Bucks shirt, which is basically the Bullet Club logo with tassels coming off the skull. And Young Bucks in Bullet Club font. And I bought Yujiro's Tokyo Pimp shirt, both in soft cotton. And both have a Bullet Club logo on the sleeve. I'm I'm saving my merch money for actually being at New Japan, hoping to buy, like, a Bushi mask. Well, I don't have to save merch money because I have a lot of money because I'm white. Well, same, but at the same time, I don't want the novelty of acquiring merch to diminish... And so mm-hmm. it's not so much that I'm saving the money, it's like I'm saving the act of spending the money. 
And not to, I don't want to give away this secret quite yet because it it needs to have a proper rollout, but a plan that we have for a few months down the road, I'm already starting to put money aside in a separate account. I've opened up a new way to save money specifically for one thing we're going to do, and that has begun. So I'm starting to... Proud of you, dude. I'm starting to get that fund up because just one more thing before we sign off. This is like a life, like life coach moment right here. I'm going to tell you guys a secret right now. I have problems with money sometimes in terms of like spending it. Like I spend too much of it on like worthless things. And I have a plan of something I'm going to do uh, later this year slash early next year that will require a lot of money. And this is the best way I've ever – I discovered this on accident, and I'm telling you, it works. If you're trying to save money, you need to do this. What I do is I turn I, – I, I figured out that it's a lot easier for me to spend money when it's like kind of this abstract uh, like numbers like in a computer. And what I'm talking about is a debit card. I'm much more likely to buy something with a debit card because I don't feel like I'm spending money. I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling the cash in my hand. Like it's all just kind of like make-believe. Like I feel like I'm getting stuff for free. So what I've been doing is when I want to save money, I turn that money into cash and I keep the cash with me because when I'm taking out like a $100 bill, like I don't want to use it. Like even if I wanted something. So that's the way I save money. I turn the money I'm saving into cash. So I'm putting, you know, one to $200 aside every month so what i'm doing is i'm taking one to two hundred dollars out in cash and i'm keeping it in my house with in physical cash because it's a lot harder for me to spend that cash well and plus then if you just have physical assets then it isn't in like possession of the jews exactly yeah. so it's it's a, it's a win it's a 360 win as alex jones would say so I'm telling you, if you want to save money, start taking money out of your bank and turning it into cash. And just psychologically, it'll be more difficult for you to spend that. I've uh, I've got some similar tips, but I'm gonna have to save it since this episode's running a little long. I think next week we'll, uh, next time you and I record, we'll find. I'll have to break down the APW show that I went to because I haven't discussed that on air yet, and it was a lot of fun. And I bought merch, and uh, we'll get more into the Jewish question. Oh yeah. And uh, I think uh, you and I, next time, we'll have to talk about another bit of tape review that we both did and discuss Get Me Roger Stone. Oh, man. Yeah, so I, I obviously we've got great material for the next show, but that'll have to do it for this episode of the Put em Over Podcast. Again, go support us or uh, the Jews win, honestly. Can't let that happen. Can't let that happen. So, signing off, I'm Lucha John. Eh? Eh? You gonna give me anything? Ah, you fucking rascal. And that's T-Cat. And we'll yep. see you all next episode. Uh, did you finally come?